0: All right, welcome to the A Podcast. We have a great guest today with Damon Burton. Uh, you guys are gonna get a lot out of this. We talk about SEO, the importance of having a website, not having a website, is social media enough, how to play nice on Google, how to get ranked. We talk about uh, ways to delegate. He runs a virtual team, he writes for Forbes. He has a ton of loyalty. He's rarely had to fire anybody in like 14 years. He's a king of delgrading. He talks about how to use social media and how to get all the crap off social media you don't want to see so you can take the power back on it. And we go over tons of different things. I don't want to steal all this thunder or go too far into his intro, but definitely you'll find different ways to check him out and I'll prep him as we get in. I got a ton out of this. Sometimes I'm struggling to look for some of the clips I can pull out. This one, there was a plethora of different uh, value adds and content drops and things like that, that you guys could benefit from. I really think you should take notes on this one. I can't say enough after I re-listened to it, I was very excited to go back and uh, appreciate it once again, how much value and content that Damon Burton actually gave on this. A great guy, uh, I really vibe with him. I, I, he really just stuck out to me and we just hit it off and I really appreciated him for coming on. Straight shooter, no BS. Um, you will get tons of value off of this episode and definitely don't forget, go on NickNickNick.com. Grab our free ebook, all the things you need to know about how the real estate industry has changed since the coronavirus has happened, all the things that you need to know. It's a quick ebook. Jump on or jump on nicknicknick.com slash links for all the different ways to connect with me to start doing some real estate. But that book is a quick, easy read. It's free on the website. It's a little bit of money on Amazon, and it will give you a nice quick read through of all the things that you need to be paying attention to and be aware of. So when the market continues to shift in a different direction, you know what to look for and you don't get caught on the wrong side of that and lose money. So check it out. Check out the show, Damon Burton. Thank you for coming on. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Keep it short, keep it sweet. Here we go. Thank you.
1: Welcome to the A-Game podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-game.
0: My guest today on the A-Game podcast is founder of SEO National. He has an international search engine marketing company, and they are 100% inbound and a referral-driven business. He's a writer for Forbes and the author of the book, Outrank. He has beat a billion-dollar company by outranking their website on Google. He runs his business virtually, specializing in managing remote teams with up to 30 workers, and is great at creating a work-life balance, which is a constant struggle for all entrepreneurs. He's been featured in Entrepreneur Magazine, BuzzFeed, U.S. Weekly, and has worked with countless other high-profile clients, including NBA teams, Inc. 5000 companies, and Shark Tank featured businesses. Please welcome to the A-Game podcast, Damon Burton. Thank you for
1: being here, sir. Yeah, Nick, I'm looking forward to talking. I'm going to start this with jumping in a rabbit hole that you have the domain Nick, Nick, Nick. When we met (laughs) on the podcast the other day, i was like that's my guy right there like I, you know i'm a domainer but i did not even want to open up that can of orange on that call so now, now now i'm opening it up i like your domain <laughs>
0: thanks man it, you know it's funny i um I, I wanted something memorable and my partner actually doesn't like it like she she beats us up she's like you don't understand okay. like you need a brand like you can't be that can't be the business i'm like at the end of the day like it needs to be something people remember and i feel like that's something that everybody remembers, especially like the people who remember it good or bad. Some of them think I'm messing with them. They're like that, no, give me a real email. But I I literally found a struggling actor in LA Mm. that owned it. And he just wasn't getting work out there and he needed some cash. And I bought it from him (laughs) for, I think like eight hundred bucks, and it's bought yeah. me way more business than that. Just yeah. for people being like, "Yeah, yeah." So I, I appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, you can totally, you can totally be the business. What are you talking? About? I actually, we'll probably talk about that a little bit in this call about, you know, how how personality can become the business. But no, I like it.
0: Oh man, awesome! We'll start out with giving a thirty thousand foot view of you. You have an extremely impressive resume. I know we we were on a so we were on a master connector um uh, LinkedIn live and uh, you really just impressed me, man. As soon as we were off of it, I was like, hey, would you mind jumping on? And so many things you said on there could have gone for that entire episode plus more. So uh, yeah. I'm excited to hear about it. But let people know a little bit about you. Uh
1: yeah, so um I I I always I always go where do I always try to figure out how to balance like personal and work because like the the work side is, is, I enjoy entrepreneurism. And so when you talk about like the highlight reel, like, I don't really think about those things, because it's just me. And, you know, I'm just in it. my I'm only in it for myself, more or less, like, when I set the next benchmark, it's, I'm not to impress anybody else. So when I accomplish something, it's like, what's the next thing so sometimes i kind of overlook all those things so i guess the highlight reel is um i ran an agency for 14 years um i write about seo search engine optimization for forbes i wrote a book about forbes um like you said worked with some some big clients but probably equally impressive is that in addition to like big humble brag names I think is the the mom and pops that I still work with 14 years later so we still have we still have probably a dozen of our clients from year one from 14 years later still with us and I think that says a lot about maintaining relationships and continuing to provide value Um, beyond the the work highlight reel um, I've been married for 14 years as well I have three kids um, big big family kind of guy and um kind of before we hit record, we touched on talking about work-life balance and that's my jam, man. So I think those that's, that's kind of the highlight really. I guess.
0: Nice, man. That's awesome. So SEO in, is a term that I hear a lot of people out and a lot of the things you do, I think are interesting because you seem very calculated and not emotional about the stuff that you're doing. And I, I get so much conflicting information on SEO. Oh, it's a waste of time. No, it's amazing. Uh, social media, like hashtag, you do this. No, you don't do that. So, um, for people who don't really understand what it is, can you explain a, a little bit, layman's terms, of really like what SEO is and, and what it is you do with?
1: It? Yeah, SEO stands for search engine optimization. The short answer is the goal is to build up the credibility of your website so it shows up higher in search engines, but without paying for ads. Now, as far as what goes into that, we can go into a million different conversations, but the the high level is the the way that you get your website to show higher on search engines. There's Everything falls into primarily two categories. So one category is what you do on your website. One category is what you do externally to your website. And kind of in between those two categories is content, because you can have content on your website and you can have content external. So maybe if I go just like one layer deeper, because we could talk forever about the technicality of SEO, but maybe one layer deeper is an example of each of those categories. So the category of what you do on your website is... Does it load quickly? Is it mobile friendly? Is it got good, you know, good user experience, good call to action? Can people get to what they need to get to easily? And on the, the what the other category, what you do externally to your website is it's like a popularity contest. Uh, do other websites talk about you? Do they link to you? And each of those external references counts as a vote in the search engine popularity contest. And maybe the last thing is a really easy way to think about SEO is you just have to make Google look good because Google's in it for their money. And so they're not going to send anybody to your website if it's going to make them look bad. Because if you make them look bad by having a slow website or a broken link or a crappy design that's hard to navigate, then Google sent that person to your website. And so now Google looks bad. And so that opens up the possibility for Google, for for that person to not use Google as often or consider the thought of switching search engines so as long as you you provide a good experience to a user to attract them to make them stay you just you treat google the same way what would impress a customer and it's really simple stuff i mean we can get into the technicalities of it but i I tell people that seo isn't hard it's just um you know who can juggle all the the basic things the best and for the longest
0: that's interesting so when you're talking about linking up, and that was interesting too with the broken links, I didn't think about that. But when you're you're doing that stuff, people always talk about um, you know, backlinks and, and having different things there. And I noticed on yours, you, you have your your personal brand website and then you have your business website. And I mm-hmm. see when I search you, your blogs and the links to your books and all these different things come up. Is that a little bit of what you're saying that there, there's pieces of you with different mediums and all these different places that are all basically linking back to one or two of those websites. Is is that a little bit of of what you're talking about there?
1: That touches on it. Yeah. I need to add an asterisk before I open up this discussion though. Like my website (laughs) and my brand, my company's website are, are not good places to reference the quality of our work (laughs) because they're like the redheaded stepchild of of our workload, because I'd rather spend time. And this, this touches on, um, you know, why we've grown so much by referrals over the years is like, I'm not dying for business. And so I'm always focusing on the client we totally need to revamp our website. We totally need blah, 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 blah. So yes, to come back <laughs> to your question, um, the, that's part of it. So th- there are some easy wins like that where you, you have opportunities to cross-reference existing assets, but that shouldn't be the only strategy. And the reason why is because Google can pay attention to the technological footprint of those assets. So if you have your website, your company, let's say you have a personal brand, you as one website, you have your company as another website, you have your podcast as a third website, and then you all have them at the same host or on the same server. Google can see that same IP address. And so there's a consistency where it says, okay, well, I'm going to give so much value from that resource because it's starting to allude to Being what's called a link farm and and this isn't a link farm but it's it starts to dilute it the value of it so the value in like backlinks and external references is in the unique domains and you know the unique assets more so than a hundred links from one website and, and kind of a side note, but but that's related to this topic. A lot of people ask about how does social media influence SEO? And I don't think there's necessarily a right answer to this, but my take on it is that it influences it very little. Now that may change over the years. I'm not, I'm not shutting that possibility down, but the reason why I think that as of current, it has minimal value is because The comment I made about the value is in unique domains, because if you have a million Facebook likes, it's still facebook.com, which is one domain. If you have a million, you know, Twitter retweets, it's still just twitter.com. And so it's the, the value is in the, the unique domain count because the quantity within a single domain can be artificially inflated.
0: That's really interesting. I never thought of it like that. that. That makes a lot of sense. What are some? I know you said backlinks, but is there any any don'ts that you should be aware of when you're trying to build up your SEO that are maybe misconceptions that you hear people say, "Hey, go do this," and, and it's just. I mean, on the real estate side, there's so much bad advice that I oh go do this, and I'm like, please don't do that. But you know, there's some guy on Instagram saying that he's the person. Mm-hmm. Is there anything like that in the SEO field?
1: Yeah. So one, there's a there's a bunch of different ways you can do links, but there's a few that are. Just knows across the board. One is what's called link directories. Now, prior to 2012, Google came out with an algorithm update in 2012 called Penguin, and Penguin would focus on quality of links. So prior to that, it was a quantity over quality. I wouldn't say quality didn't matter, but you could get away with running with quantity. And then immediately after that, it was the other way around. It was all about quality. So now. One good domain is infinitely more valuable than a hundred crappy or irrelevant domains. So knowing that background on Penguin, there's these type of sites, these link directory types of sites are still around, which blows my mind because they are completely worthless. So what they are is they're just like this big vomited list of links. Like people go in there and they find the category and they're like, okay, I offer a service in homes. And then the next drill down is real estate. And then the next drill down is like, construction or realtor or whatever and then they put their link nobody goes to those websites like no real person goes to those websites that's what google is for that's what search engines are for so you don't have to drill down through crap like that so that being said that's why there's no value in them because nobody uses them they're almost entirely used these days just for outdated old school seo practitioners to just go shove a link they used to work prior to 2012 but immediately after that, it's a big fat no. So you'll still see those coming around. Um, you'll still see them in um, some SEO, like, you, you know, tutorials or knowledge bases or courses or whatever, or you'll see some lower, lower price point SEO agencies that still do it. SEO is very much just like most other businesses. You get what you pay for. So if anybody's offering SEO for super cheap, they're probably doing things that are like that that aren't going to give value so that's one maybe another is what's called social bookmarks um it's not social media social bookmarks are do you remember dig D I G G? did you ever use dig no so, so dig was this really big website that um facebook and reddit kind of killed it because it this is how people used to share content before instead of like sharing it on social media uh or sharing it on reddit people would create like personal profiles on dig and other places and digitally bookmark these websites. And then you could share that digital bookmark portfolio with other people, excuse me. So that created an opportunity to create backlinks because you would go and you would book, bookmark these sites that you liked and then share it and cross promote it. And eventually it opened up like this, this economic opportunity where, where people would buy and sell and trade bookmarks and so that was an seo strategy back then but same kind of thing as soon as as 2012's penguin algorithm hit just went out the window so there's a lot of different ways to do backlinks social bookmarks and link directories are almost entirely a no and then the rest of the options kind of boil the the good options kind of boil down to time or money like are you going to spend the time to acquire them and you know we if you want we can we can talk about other other ways to chase them, or are you going to pay somebody else to spend their time to go acquire them?
0: You know, I think that that really, we, we talked about work-life balance a little bit already. We'll dig back into that. But that's part of the funny thing that I always hear, no matter who I'm talking to, whether it's somebody who's a new entrepreneur to a high-level business person or just a high-performer athlete or musician, they're always looking for ways to get more time back. But then you go mm-hmm. and you talk to them about stuff like SEO or things that are in an entirely different thing that they know nothing about and they go oh, i'll just try and figure it out myself it's like yeah you know wow. it, like the quickest way to not have any more time is to try and figure out something that somebody spent 14 years figuring out but you don't want to spend yeah. a little bit of money to have it like work for you and push ahead so just with anything like that i always think that mindset is kind of crazy but you know yeah. I, I a thousand percent agree you're, you're we use the term black belt a lot as you know somebody who's mm-hmm made all the mistakes, you know, that you've done everything right, you've done everything wrong, and you can cut that learning curve. So I always appreciate hearing those things. And especially on what you do, it changes probably so much so often, it's like you always have to be on top of it. So i with that, what types of things do you do to make sure that you're pivoting with, with what it's doing? Like, how do you make sure that you're always on top of what's happening and always become a student of your craft?
1: You know, the, the answer will probably surprise you. It's, um, I think, I think the, the SEOs that last longest are the ones that do not get distracted by the shiny objects. So that's not to say that SEO doesn't change a lot, but, I, but if you look at it from a different perspective, those things that change all fall into core practices and principles of SEO. So like a good example is the, when we talk about what can you do on your website to, to make it more optimized, mm-hmm. So with that, it's like, okay, well, a new thing that came along largely in 2016, Google came out, started rolling out like what they call mobile first, um, uh, priorities on search results. So if your website is mobile friendly, the Google basically like in. In simplistic terms, they kind of had two search engines. One was the overall search engine, and one was mobile first. So, which websites are more search engine or more user friendly to mobile devices? And so, in 2016, a bunch of bunch of SEOs coined the term like mobile get in because it was just like the sky is falling because now Google is pushing everything mobile first. But for me, it wasn't that big deal, big of a deal at all. Because if you look at the core principles, all Google is asking is, okay, mobile friendly sites look good on a, a smaller screen and they load quickly. Weird, common SEO principles. So if, if, you, if you are always just focused on the basics of good user experience, uh, which is, okay, the, the design needs to be responsive, which means it responds to the device and adjusts based on what screen size is available. Then it doesn't matter what the device is. It doesn't matter if it's mobile. It doesn't matter if it's desktop, it doesn't matter if it's tablet. Like if you set it to always respond, then the future of whatever the next device is doesn't matter. And so then a lot of people ask me about, well, what about voice? Voice is another good example. There are zero people, zero SEOs on the other side of the website recording voice drops to provide to Google for a voice search query. What's happening is Google's going, okay, we got a voice input. And then skip ahead to step three. We'll skip step two for a minute. So step one is voice input step three is voice output. But step two is the same old thing. Google's going, what website can we find that has a right answer that we can access the quickest, and then we'll return an invoice. So it's still the same thing. So if, if you don't get caught up in the shiny objects, when anytime there's a major algorithm update, whether it's Penguin that focused on backlinks, whether it was the one the year before it, 2011 called Panda, which focused on good content stop stopped stealing other people's content, mm-hmm. the 2016 mobile get in, like none of that has mattered to me. Like none of my clients have ever got a Google penalty. And in fact, I think when those algorithms come out, our business tends to go up because other people got distracted by the shiny objects, their clients get hammered. And then I remember very clearly in 2012, we had a huge increase in business because all these other SEOs went under because they weren't being proactive or at least, you know, not trying to game. they were trying to game the system and they got caught and then their clients. So they went under or their clients were left holding the bag. And then their clients are going, we got nailed and we don't know how to clean this mess up. And, and for us, it was very simple to, to be able to come in and say, okay, well, here's what you need to adjust. So I, I think not, I don't want to say don't don't try to look towards the future, but I don't think it has to be as dramatic as most people hype it up to be.
0: I think that that's a great answer. It's very fair. Again, I, I like your your thought process. You seem very logically based in all of your decisions and the stuff that you do, which you know in, in business and especially IT type of things, I, I think that that's a great personality trait, because otherwise you could be Spinning your wheels in a lot of different directions. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. for, for people that are using social media, I, I didn't really think of it until you you just talked about it. But I know a lot of people that have a, an, a, uh, an Instagram page, a bunch of followers on Instagram or whatever, but they don't have a website because they're, oh, I don't need a website, I have Instagram. But it sounds like it's, it's a huge mistake to not have a website for your business or your brand.
1: It depends on what industry you're in. Um, I think that there are certainly some Possibilities where you could just monetize whatever your social profile is. Um, That's not to say you couldn't benefit even further, but I think you could survive without a website in certain industries. Um, But for me, I mean, this will kind of tie this question with what you talked, what you touched on earlier about um, you know social proof and a a person becoming the brand. Um, I've largely become the brand of my company, SEO National. So our company, like you touched on, is, is nearing 30 employees. And uh, I personally enjoy the relationships with our clients. So I made a, a proactive choice, an intentional choice a couple of years back where I was like, okay, I will, I, I want to get out. Let's take this a step further back. So about two, just over two years ago, I deleted all my social media. And by delete it, Everybody knows that if you, you know, quote unquote, delete Facebook, like it's still there and you can go turn it on. I legit went through my wife, more to her credit, went through and deleted. I, I had her log into my account and manually delete every single post I'd ever made, go through my entire activity history, delete every comment I had ever made on somebody else's, manually delete every message that I had ever sent or received manually unfriend every friend I had. And so it was just a totally clean slate. And then I deleted it. So the the reason why I did that is because it just wasn't productive for me. Um, And it's the same kind of stuff when you would get on there, sometimes it wears you down and it's just like people kind of, it's either complaining or humble brags. And so it was just kind of exhausting. And so I checked out for about two months. And then what I started to realize in that two months was I started to think, well. I'm missing business opportunities here, but but I don't want to get on there and be the sales vomiting guy. So why can't I do social media my way? Why can't I get on? What am I? Here's what I'm going to do: I'm going to go re-add my friends that are friends, but I'm going to mute all of the ones that are drama. So that way, if I want to maintain a connection, I still can. I can shoot them a message, and if I want to poke in, I can. But other than that, like I'm like proactively filtering out all the drama. And then I said, why? And then why can't I? why can't I talk about business? Because business is largely my hobby. Like I like the whole entrepreneurial grind kind of thing. So why can't I talk about that stuff? And then why can't I talk about my wife and my kids? But here's the catch with my wife and kids. As much as I am very public facing, I am hyper private about my kids identity. And so I I post about my wife and kids all the time, but I never show an identifiable picture of them. I may have a picture of me with them, but they're like, like a good example was we went, we went sledding like a couple of months ago. And so I got a picture of them like running off. And so I can share that one because it's me and my kids and it's the moment that I wanted to share, but it's the backside of their head running away. And so I had to go, okay, can I find this balance of being a public, vulnerable, transparent person? That's not just always sharing the highlight reel, but also provide value and talk about things that I personally enjoy. And so it took a little bit, um, to figure out what that dance was to, to try and share those things and and do it consistently and productively and provide value to the people that wanted to engage on it. But after, after I did that for a little bit and, and started to figure out what that dance was, it's been the best thing ever. Um, cause now I can get in and I can talk about what I want. Anytime I log in on social media, I don't see any of the bullshit that everybody else sees. Like all I see is good positivity, people making big accomplishments. And then, um, and then, and then it's contributed to the bottom line in business. I've stopped quantifying it, but the first nine months when I started doing that, it added, I want to say 150 grand in contracts above and beyond what we were doing in any other capacity, like just from things that initiated from a, like a LinkedIn or Facebook conversation. And since then, it's I just said, okay, that's clearly working. And so I haven't paid so much attention to the dollar conversion, but um, you know, maybe catching up to speed, Fast forward two years, and you know, as of the time we're recording this, it's just we're wrapping up the first week of March 2021. And I've done more business in I checked Friday, so that was the fifth. I did more business in the first five days of March 2021 than I did in the entirety of March 2020. And that's still, I still got half a dozen pending contracts, and almost all of them came from well probably 80%, seventy-eight percent of them came from social proof, something that I posted that created conversation. Um, and then the other half is the historical, you know, referrals that have driven a lot of business. So, you know, I'll pause there, uh, but maybe when we pick back up, I can give an example of, you had mentioned working with the jazz and things like that. And so I can talk, I can come full circle with that story and social proof.
0: Ever wanted to play the drums or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real Mackenzies, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he's also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced beginner Any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word DRUMMER, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word DRUMMER, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson. Yeah, I mean that's a it's a perfect uh, segue because social proof is actually the next thing I had on the list I wanted to talk to you about. You said a really really interesting tidbit on that LinkedIn thing we did, where you're talking about the ratios of what comes in, what goes out, versus like paid ads, the dollar in, dollar out, versus social proof. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a bunch of different things I want to hit on that, but one of them that you just mentioned that I felt was interesting is you talked about the balance between posting something professionally and then showing a little bit of who you are as a person without actually violating or or stepping over those boundaries on your personal side of the Mm -hmm. stuff you wanna protect. And I I found it really interesting. A few of my friends have posted memes about it that summarize it pretty well. One of them is like, hey, post a picture or a slide or an example of how to make $100,000 in 30 days with no money, no credit. Three likes, one angry comment. Picture of a dog (laughs) drinking beer out of a bowl, you know, 100,000 shares, like, so it's funny because I, I see it sometimes. Like I'll post stuff from podcasts that I'll spend hours listening to, to the podcast, which is tough for me because I, I hate listening to myself. But the yeah. guest, like I'll post stuff that I really feel like this two or three minutes is such great value for somebody that would be listening to this. I could really help them with whatever the thing is. And it'll get like virtually nothing. And then I'll post something stupid and everybody's commenting on it. And I just think it's really weird because the stuff that you feel like is going out there to give value, it's not getting the traction, but then the personal stuff. But I feel like again, you need that personal well, stuff. I can tell me. I can tell no? you
1: why. I can tell yeah. you why. It's yeah, because it's because you 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 haven't been consistent about it. And so you don't have an audience that feeds off of the value stuff that you want to give. And, and so you have that mixed, very common Facebook, Instagram, whatever platform you're talking about if you don't have a focus, then your audience isn't focused either. It's just going to be a mix between your family and your friends and some business people. But for me, like the majority of my comments, obviously I have a ton of friends and family that follow me. They never comment though. And, And that's fine because the stuff I post isn't for them. Like they'll comment on the, on the stuff where I talk about, um, you know, I like last night. I posted. I went to the park with my kids, and this and that. And so I'll get some little reactions and hearts and things like that. Like they're watching. And then when I talk to them offline on a, on a one on one phone call or something, they're like, "Man, this is so cool watching the stuff you're saying." But it's it's not on their level, or it's not um, it's not it's not their world. Like business is not their world, and that's fine because that's not who I'm writing this stuff for. But they can still follow and see the personal engagement. So when you run into that mixed reaction, um, I'm laughing because it reminds me, I totally know what you're talking about. Because a couple of years ago, I had one of my friends, we were talking about the same topic. And I said, why don't you post, um, why don't you post something random? Like I love peanut butter, jelly sandwiches. And he literally posted, I love peanut butter, jelly sandwiches. And that shit took off. Like, <laughs> like why? Tell me why. It's because the people, the people, if you don't have a groomed audience, that means they don't have intent. And so my followers have an intent of growing and scaling and learning, but the masses, the majority of social media are there, whether they admit it or not is because they're, they're wasting time. And so they're like looking for the entertainment value and they're filling the void of whatever it is that they just want to, they just want that entertainment, So you, that's why people react to the random stuff is because it's entertaining to them, but that's not your audience. But if you groom your audience, they will react to the other stuff. Like I posted last week, I posted, um, Hey, I hired four, like, it was like three lines, super short. Line one was, uh, just hired four people tonight, plus seven for the week. Second line was super proud of my team. Third line was SEO to the moon. Dude, I got like a dozen comments and a hundred, a hundred likes, like within 12 hours, because that's my my audience are the ones that are going like hell yeah like someone's grinding someone's growing that's where I want to be you know and those are the people that are looking for the motivation that you provide so if you're not focused on what your message is you're gonna get the random reactions.
0: That's really interesting. I did mark that actually for some of the things that I wanted to take from some of the things I was watching and you is have more of an intention. I think that that intent is definitely something that I've been missing and I, I like what you if you could repeat it about what you're talking about the dollar in versus dollar out, because I think what mm-hmm. most people are looking for is again, they, they want to pay for stuff, but you've talked a lot about establishing trust and making an impact. And I know you've used the term vanity views, which I thought was super interesting mm-hmm. too, is that people get caught up in that, but that's not necessarily where your business is going to grow from the vanity views. And now that you've explained mm-hmm. it like that, that makes a lot of sense that you have a hundred thousand time wastes, but what you really might want is the five or 10 people who are looking to build their business. And um. So if you could just talk a little bit about that, I think that that's such a huge overlooked thing. People think you just have to pay to play, but that might not necessarily be the issue.
1: Yeah, the example I gave was most of us are caught in the mindset of, you know, dollar in, two dollars out. You invest a dollar in through some sort of paid mechanism and and then you get two dollars out. And so your goal is to have slightly more come back than you put in. And the, I think why people are hesitant about providing value and doing social proof in the long-term play is because it's like a dollar in, nothing out, a dollar in, nothing out, a dollar in, $5,000 out. And so it, can, it is totally scalable. It's just a slightly different way you quantify it because it's not literally a day, day by day you look at it. And for me, that's even better. The thought of if I had paid ads would drive me crazy. The thought that I if I had to log in and check my ad account every day to see what my ROI was, or the thought of uh, everybody we see anybody that is anybody that is in marketing or business sees their friends talk about how their ad account gets shut down and <laughs> how do we how do I get it unblocked, or does anybody have another account I can tap into? That would drive me insane. And so for me, like for for anybody listeners, anybody listening going, Oh well, yeah, but you can't you can only do that for so far, like You can go as far as you want i run a seven-figure business and i've never paid a dollar in ads i run a seven-figure business and i've other than last year i'll add the asterisks and talk about you know maybe that next i've never met any of my team members and where we're pushing 30 people a year ago we had like 15 and a year ago i i for the first time met six of them (laughs) so i still have not met 24 of my employees and i would put their loyalty up against anybody If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, 2020 is coming to an end. Let's start 2021
0: off on a good note by getting you into some real estate, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced. Any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you wanna sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today.
1: And to extend upon the, to underscore the the loyalty comment, I've been asked to be a godfather twice by team members that I've never met. I was asked <laughs> to be in a wedding by two of my team members who got married and they, they were um, getting married when my wife was in her third trimester of being pregnant with her daughter. So I told them, I said, I'm super honored. Um, I would love to be there if the circumstances weren't my wife is due any day because I don't feel comfortable traveling across the world. I'm leaving her hanging. Okay. And so what they did was they went and got a six-foot-tall life-size cardboard cutout of, of me. So now we got Cardboard Damon is what we call him. We have Cardboard Damon that still lives to this day four or five years later. There's pictures of me. So, so these two team members in the Philippines, there's pictures of me, six foot white dude, like towering over five foot three Filipinos in a real wedding, <laughs> a cardboard guy in real. So the story is hilarious, but if you look at the sentiment behind it, I mean, that's why I said, put my loyalty, my team's loyalty up against anybody. The fact that there will, that I, that there's such a relationship between us, that they're willing to put a cardboard version of me in their wedding line pictures just says everything. So I, man, we're going off. On, we're going off in tangents here. I don't even know where we started on this one. <laughs> no, that's good, man. I like it.
0: You're talking about the, you know, having an impact on people. I definitely want to discuss teams, but your your point with with a lot of the stuff on building the impact, I I love it because it related to me. I was getting a little frustrated with, um, s- some of the the lack of interaction. I I felt like was going on with some of the stuff, and I just was getting busy, and and I, I don't think I was paying attention to the right things. But then I got like two or three phone calls last last week or two or three random messages from people I don't know that mm-hmm. were just saying, hey, I really appreciated that you posted this or you said this or you know, I know you don't know me, but I've gotten a lot yeah, out of yeah. it. We set up a call and then I got on and talked to a few people and gave them some help. And then they wrote back and were like, "You know, whatever you said got me that property or did that thing. And I was like, man, that's the stuff that really means way more than the invisible likes that I don't even know who half the people are. And I know that you are really big. On establishing that trust, like you just said, and building that loyalty, which helps you with your business, which is largely in referrals. And I know that there was a pretty cool story with how you worked with the Utah Jazz based off of that. And I'd love you to share that story.
1: Yeah. And and on that topic of what, what we kind of touched on, vanity metrics, I, I get that it's human nature for us to be attracted to those numbers. Um, and it's. I don't expect any listeners to immediately, to, to be able to immediately blind out those vanity metrics, but what you need to do is focus on your message and who your audience is and and what you like talking about and figure out how to marry those so that you can provide that content on a consistent basis because what you just said is, is totally what drives me. I get messages probably nearly daily at the very least three or four times a week of somebody that does exactly what you just said. Somebody I have no, a perfect example was last Friday. One of my my team members who helps kind of manage my social media inbox. um, She's like, Damon, check this out. And I don't know how she found it, but she found, it was a 16 minute video, which is how I don't know how she found it because I was at like minute 13. And these two people that I've never met, I think I've engaged with them on LinkedIn a bit, but not enough that I would remember them by name if anybody mentioned them. And they went on and talked about me for like two or three minutes about how I make such a positive impact on their life. And I'm the type of people that they like to see in their social media feed. No idea who they are, but that's the type of thing that drives me. And then another one was there was... um, somebody I went to high school with and they posted a thing that they're still best friends with this other girl that I went to high school with. And all I wrote was no way, you know, exclamation (laughs) point that they're still BFFs 20 some years later. And she gave the most amazing unexpected reply where it was like, yeah, you know, I love her because this reason, this reason, this reason, then like the last half of her comment was, you know, it's so cool to see, you know, thanks for commenting. It's so cool to see what you're accomplishing because And she bullet pointed it out. She gave two bullet points. One bullet point was, A, it's inspiring and I look forward to seeing the stories you share. And then B, as a small business owner, it gives me hope that I can make it too. And so like, those are the types of things that I love and kind of to bring this all together about vanity metrics, um, you don't have to pay attention to whether your post gets a dozen comments and a hundred likes or zero comments and zero likes. If you get that one private message, like it's about that one person that that your message was intended for that hits and inspires or becomes a client. Like the way that I look at content is um, a big part of my strategy is just giving away all the SEO answers because the, I can't lose in doing that because if I just give the, like none of my content has uh, almost never has a call to action. Almost never sends, it definitely never sends anybody to an email list because they don't have one. It never (laughs) sends anybody to like a landing page. And the reason why is because I don't, want to directly pitch people on social media. I want to build a relationship with them. I want to build trust. I want to showcase my expertise. So when I connect with somebody in private messages, I don't chase them with the sales pitch. I just want to connect with them. So then they're in my network. Then they see my content. And then what happens is they build a relationship. They see your expertise. They stay top of mind. And then when they're ready to buy your thing, they just come to you and go, Nick, here's my money. Because they don't have to ask what you do. They don't have to go through the annoying sales call that's annoying for them and annoying for you because they already know the value pr- you provide. So for me, it's it's all about just showcasing my expertise. And the reason why I don't mind giving away all the answers is because anybody that will take my content and run with it, they were never my client anyway. And so if I can help them, good for them. The The other two types of people that are going to read my content are somebody that may not be a client now, but will either refer somebody or become a client later, another win. And the third type of person is they become a client. So I don't think there's anything wrong, with just giving away all the answers because back to when we talked about time versus money, I don't want the people that want to save money. Like they come to me because I provide a, a good service that they're comfortable with and they know they need, and they would rather pay me than spend their time. So if I can give all the way the answers and track those people, and help the people that are not my clients then yay.
0: That's awesome, man. And and how did that um how did the Utah Jazz stuff come about?
1: Uh it was a LinkedIn post. Um guy hit me up and sent me a message, said I, I don't remember the particular post, but he said, um, you know, something you said resonated with me. Uh let's meet up. They happen to be local. Most of my clients Like my team, I've I've never met most of my clients. Most of them are in other states or countries. These guys happen to be about twenty minutes away. Went met them for (laughs) meeting, and then when I left the meeting, this kind of ties in some other stuff too. When I left the meeting, he called me a little bit later and said, "You know what was interesting about meeting with you is that not too often do you leave a marketing meeting not more confused, but you came in and not only told us what's good about SEO, but you also told us what's bad." Like I told them it's a long play. I told them it takes time to build up the assets. I told them you have to have the runway and the patience before it starts to return a value. And so that built the trust as well. Like I have no problem telling people SEO is slow because then it sets expectations, which makes them a better client. Anyway, I don't want somebody coming to me like three months later going, where's our return? Because with SEO, the reality of it is it's probably not going to happen so why don't you just be transparent about it solve that future headache and establish trust so he ends up signing two weeks later he said hey i want to introduce you to a good friend of mine he works at this this big national law firm And so I said, sure, let's do it. Talk to him. Same kind of thing. Now in between this, as we're boarding the clients, we have really good documented onboard, documented processes and onboarding processes. So they are getting touch points constantly from my team saying, Hey, I'm so-and-so, you know, warm, personal welcome, Uh, expose them to who that individual on the team is and what their expertise is. And then every team member sets expectations as far as what their role is and what they need from the client, if anything, and when they're going to follow up. So, the reason why I say this is because that's how these guys are able to say in such a short amount of time that they're comfortable doing business with us because we've set all these expectations and had all these touch points. So, the first client is a client for two weeks, refers to this other client. This other client ends up signing within a couple of days. And a week later, he says, Can I introduce you to the Utah Jazz? And so, of course I said, yes. And then in my mind, I'm like, who is this guy? (laughs) (laughs) So come to find out he was the exiting vice president of the retail division. Um, The jazz had just reorganized how, they approach commerce and they started a new division called team store to sell their hats and jerseys and all that stuff. And so this guy was going to work at the law firm because his family's tied to the ownership of the law firm somehow. And so he was moving out of personal interest and he had some family ties, but his exiting responsibilities were to get the the marketing roles filled. And so here we are within from one post within three to four weeks, we have three clients, which is not worthy of itself, but, but with the whole jazz thing what i like to emphasize is the importance of relationships and being transparent because i could have spent all the money in the world buying ads sending postcards making phone calls and i would have never got my foot in the door with jazz
0: that's awesome man that's wise words right there so you you did mention onboarding so i'm, I'm very interested i think it's a relevant topic especially now with everything going on with the pandemic but um you specialize in managing remote teams you said you've never measured teams before I still see a lot of people that are dead set on like, has to be in the office. You need that face to face. I've never been a big subscriber in that, but I think that comes from not knowing how to manage a team remotely. So I'd love to talk a little bit about that and how you, how you do that. And especially with, with outsourcing stuff, like you mentioned, um, somebody in your team was checking your social media. How do you find a way to automate some of these things with your team without losing your authenticity of who you are as a person?
1: The, that's the perfect way of saying it because that was what my intent was is how do i scale th- my interest in protecting relationships fostering relationships growing relationships but the reality that i'm running out of time like i got to the point where i was spending like two hours every morning on linkedin that's just not <laughs> sustainable and so what it, the answer is this is the same for your team as it is for your clients. Like you have to document processes. Your product or service is going to be as good or as bad as the documentation you can provide. Your, your product to your clients is going to suck if you don't have good processes. Your, your team management is going to suck if you don't have good processes. So what I did with my team on, on the social media side of things is I sent very clear rules. Well, actually before I hired anybody, um, I, hire, I hire largely on gut. And so what I mean by that is obviously I have to vet the talent and go, okay, if I'm hiring for a web designer position, they have to understand how to do web design. If I'm hiring for a developer position, they have to know code. Um, But after I find that talent, what I think is important to understand is you can find a million web designers. You can find a million social media experts. You can find a million of any position, but you can't find a million of them that you can trust. And so what I do is I, I vet the talent and then I, and then my decision boils down to who do I trust? And I think that transitions into what you're talking about social media, because I had to find somebody that I could trust that would protect, continue my voice and protect that persona that I have built. And so what I did is when I hired somebody, I said, your first month, you're not going to do anything. You're just going to watch. And so I paid them just to log in every day, read my comments, read my messages, read my posts and absorb what I'm, what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do, what my message is, my persona, my style, how I engage with comments. And so that way they can adopt the, the naturalness of the whole process. So, and then, and then what I do is I say, Hey, look, anytime you get a generic comment, a generic private message, acknowledge it, say something. But if you ever get a personal comment or a personal message, that's something that, either is an opportunity to grow a relationship or an opportunity that I can help somebody by giving them my specific, my specific expertise of, of SEO and business. Every morning I wake up and they communicate through me, to me through Skype. I have 20 to 50 messages that they send me. And it's like, here's a unique opportunity. So anything that they can do on their own and play the daemon role, they just go do on their own. But I've set clear guidelines of like, Hey, Anytime I can foster a relationship or give somebody an answer, those come to me. And so that way I can scale it, eliminate 80% of the busy work, maintain my persona, but still grow relationships because they can do the, you know, semi-automated stuff, but they know that even through the evolution of that semi-automated discussion, if it becomes personal, I want to foster it. And then they send it to me. So I've given them an outline of, help where you can pass it to me when you need to. And then also what I do is I say, never comment on religious stuff, never comment on political stuff, never comment on taboo stuff, because me as a personal, uh, me as Damon, myself, I don't do that either. I don't want to get involved with the drama. It's not that I don't have an opinion. It's not that I don't care to share it. It's just not productive. And so I, I, in addition to defining what they should do, I was also very clear on what they shouldn't do.
0: I think that's outstanding. That's really great advice, especially so when you're, when you're doing a lot of these interactions that having them learn about you as a person, I think is really smart. I actually never even thought about that. It seems like when you hire somebody, you want to immediately have them doing stuff and you know, taking a step back and not doing something is actually probably smarter. So I think that's great advice. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, how, do you, how do you manage them? How often do you touch base with them? What do you use to make sure that they're doing certain things?
1: Uh, I'm the anti-micromanager. So, so it boils down to that documentation, Um, the social media team, not so much on documentation because it's much more dynamic and it's conversations. So I think that that particular role boils down to if I trust them or not. And, and and I tell them straight up, like, look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend all this time, like checking your hours and this and that, like, I either trust you or I don't. And with, with the, with the team members where it might be more of an hourly role and, and I need to like quantify what I'm about to pay them. Um, I I've been fortunate to to be in to to do all the fulfillment that they are doing themselves. So I know if they're being productive or not. Like I can look at their timesheet. And if they say this one thing took five hours, I've done it before. And so I know if it really took five hours. Um so at the end of the day, I mean, after they're with me for not that long, it's the same thing. I either trust them or I don't. So when I go pay them, I just quantify the pay and send it. Very rarely do I actually look at the line items of of what they put on there um so i think i think largely it's it's uh, just based on trust because i don't i got other shit to do i don't want i don't want to look at their time logs i don't want to know what they're doing like but but i have that freedom to have that trust because in addition to hiring the people that i trust i also have the documentation like i wrote the documentation myself and and that that documentation process, you know, that's another story. Maybe we talk about. But the short answer is, um, it took it took and it probably took two to three hours a day, every other day for about a year, for me to document all of our processes. Because on top of that, I'm running the business. I have my day to day stuff to do. I'm still a husband. I'm still a father. I still don't want to work late. I still don't work on, want to work on the weekends. I still want to maintain my lifestyle, but I need to get this stuff documented. And I want to do it right. I don't want to do it again. Like other than Evolving it over time as needed. I don't want to go back and go. Ah, I kind of half-assed that procedure, and I need to redocument it. So when I hire, um, one of the things that I do is is in the job listings, I hide an easter egg in the middle. So at the top of the job listing, it's, you know, hey, I'm excited. Like here's the role, and then at the bottom, I put compensation. And then in the middle, what I do is I say, don't message me on this job board. Instead, you have to Skype me, and you have to Skype. Like I just hired a couple of designers last. Um, last week. And so in the listings, I put, you have to, you have to Skype me designer, yo, (laughs) (laughs) because I just put in something that nobody's ever going to really message because what I'm looking for is somebody that reads. I I put that in the middle because I know most people are going to skim the job listings. They're going to go, okay, what is this about? And then they're going to jump to the bottom and go, what's in it for me. And so I'm looking for the people that A, read and B, follow directions. And I still get I still get applicants through the platforms or i'll get people that skype me but don't put designer yo or whatever it is i don't respond i don't even open them um i used to and it was hard not to because it's you know you see like 10 applicants you're like there might be 10 people that can solve my problem but it just never worked out so now i just don't even look at them
0: i absolutely love that we do the same thing i i ask what their favorite color or favorite food is in the middle and then when yeah. they come back and they're just like blue, I'm like, that's my person. Like, But this other yeah. person, look at their qualifications, but they're yeah. going to have to handle my details. And they've already missed it on the first date. You know, it's it's yeah. like you said, I love that. How long do you usually give them or how, like, how long would you go before you look at somebody and say, this isn't working out or you aren't hitting? You know, because I guess you're basing it less on what they're doing and more on what's getting done. And as long as you know those things are getting done, you know, it, like you said, it's giving you your, your time back.
1: Yeah, I, I don't... Um... I don't recall the last time I've had to let somebody go for that reason. I've had to let people go for other reasons, but um, it's pretty few and far between that those pre-qualifications and pre-screening mechanisms don't do the trick. Gosh, I wanna say like, maybe I've let two people go in 12 years that, that weren't the right candidate. Um, I mean, usually once they're in, they're in. I mean, you and I were talking before we hit record, I still have um, uh, my longest employee. has been with me for 12 years, and um, I, I've never, I've, I've had to fire people, but I've never had an employee quit. So usually, once they're in, they're in.
0: That's awesome, man. And that obviously says a lot about you as a person and your systems and you as a leader to be able to have that, because that's virtually unheard of in many businesses. So congratulations for that.
1: Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I think even more so in like the digital marketing space. Um, it's interesting to see when I talk to other other people and they talk about their turn on not only, not only their, their staff, but their clients, um, you know, some of them are like, oh, most of my clients are like nine to 12 months. I'm like, dude, if I don't make it to at least nine to 12 months, like that's, that's bad.
0: <laughs> awesome, man. So you've been great with your time there. I mean, I could literally keep you on the phone all day, but, um, I know you, you have other things you need to do. So what I like to do is at the end here, I call it the victory lap and just hit you with a few other questions and then talk a little bit about what's going on with you. Um, one of my first questions is, what's um one of your favorite books?
1: Um, two that stand out are um, in, in this order would be E Revisited and then Four Hour Workweek. Um, those those came. I started reading those during that documentation process where those were kind of the catalyst to when I said I documented for a year. Um, and I, I would read E first because it educates you on the importance of having a business built on processes instead of people and obviously people are a huge important part of that but what it, what the book is saying is that if your employee leaves that skill set leaves so instead you need to have processes so it doesn't matter who comes and goes that that core process is still there so i would say read emith first and then for our work week now for our work week it's probably the sexier book the funner book yeah, okay. But the reason why I would read I would read that latter is because it it tries to get you to hack your processes and, and cut corners where you can effectively, and so you don't want to start cutting your corners until you know what the processes are to begin with.
0: Very fair answer in both great books. Oh, uh, do you have a favorite quote?
1: Um, not so much. There's one that I have behind you can't see it behind this wall, okay. over over here. Um, there's I'm not a huge like I'm not a huge guru follower across the board Uh, and so the quotes from grant cardone uh, but i'm not like super diehard about cardone but one quote he said was um pay the price today so you can pay any price tomorrow and and i had kind of had that mentality for a long time especially when i started my business i wanted to grind it out before i had kids because i knew i'd have kids at some time and so i wanted to pay that price then to build something that would afford me the the freedom of time later And, and so I think it's, I think he just simplified my thought process in, in an easy to understand way. And so I think that's why I'm attracted to that quote.
0: It's a great quote. If you had a time machine, you go back in time, knowing what you know now about life and business, what advice would you give a younger Damon Burton today?
1: Um, Probably only two things. One would be don't change anything. Um, I've been really proud of, of what, what I've built and I think it's, I've hit all the things and built them in the way that I dreamed to, um, maybe the only, maybe the only asterisk to that is, um, I would have documented processes quicker because it helps scale us a lot quicker. And, and I didn't do that until years seven or eight in this 14 year journey. Nice. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where I, I just constantly get overwhelmed thinking of
0: starting that process. And it's one of those, you know, if you could have just started it back then, so that's gonna yeah. be one of my takeaways from this is to start doing that. Um yeah. lastly, so what what are you working on now? I know you have your book and you have your company. Talk about what you have going on and how people can reach you and potentially work with you.
1: Um yeah, so I published a book last year called Outrank. It's about SEO. Um, it's it's largely what we talked about earlier, where it just gives away all the answers because my goal in writing the book was to kind of demystify a bunch of the SEO crap that's out there. Um, you know, the problem with SEO content is that it was optimized. And so it sticks around for a long time. (laughs) And even if, even if it's no longer relevant. So I wanted to kind of clear that, clear up some of those discussion points a little bit, but then I also wanted, I kind of had two people in mind when I wrote the book. One was obviously as, as a, as a lead generation tool, so I can provide some credibility to what I do to attract the right type of people. But then also to that, is just like the social proof content, just to kind of help out the little guys. Like if you, if you read the book, it'll tell you everything you need to know. It's everything that my company does. So if you want to, if you want to tackle it on your own, then, then that book will give you the blueprint to do it.
0: That's awesome. And if they want to actually work with you directly, um, is it dot national.com is the site?
1: Yeah. SEO national.com is the business site. Damon I, I blog, <clears throat> excuse me. I blog more about, um, you know, entrepreneurial stories and things like that. And then LinkedIn and Facebook are where I'm mostly at on social media.
0: Hey, awesome. And obviously I'll put all the links for your social contacts and your sites and everything in the show notes there, but this has been awesome, man. I, I think you are uh, very interesting to talk to you drop a lot of really great value. I really like your delivery and I, I think you, um, you're great at what you do and you have definitely piqued my interest since we first met i appreciate you jumping on i've been following and reading all the stuff that you're doing man and it's just anybody who's not it's just, there's just a ton of value there and 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 it's awesome man it's an inspiring what you've done and, and again you come off as exactly like you said like a, hey this is what i'm doing i'm a normal person i can do this you can do this and regardless of what it is i love seeing people like that who are like you know I, I'm a family guy. I have kids. Like we were talking before, like, Hey, you know, we yeah. eat too much fast food sometimes just like everybody else, but yeah. like here, here's how we get where we're going, man. So I definitely, <laughs> uh, I value and appreciate you sharing that. Thank you for coming on today. Is there anything uh, before I let you go that you'd like to share in closing?
1: Uh, no, I appreciate you reaching out. Um, I think if anything, that, that kind of underscores what we talked about is um, you and I kind of had some mutual acquaintances and, and the, the conversation opened up the opportunity for, for this to happen. And so, yeah, just do your thing. And, and maybe the last thing is just like you say, and I'm not going to say starting your documentation is going to suck, but, <laughs> but to, to that point, like you, you just got to start. I mean, I think that one of the biggest things that I found to, to be a catalyst to success in whatever you do is just start the freaking thing. Like it's, it's not going to get easier. There's not going to be perfect time. The, the majority of people that make it are be, because they pick a path and they started and they just went at it long enough that they didn't stop.
0: <laughs> I think that's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you very much. Um, I'm definitely going to be in touch to see how you can hopefully help me with my Nick, 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 getting optimized a little bit more, <laughs> but uh, you've been awesome, man. David Burton, you definitely bring your A game. Thank you for coming on today. Have a great
1: week.